As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hey folks, welcome back into a new edition of the 755 is Real podcast. Producer Cam here with you. As always, when I'm at the front of the show, it means we have a live room edition of the series. David and Eric answered your questions in real time on the Athletic app. As always, exemplary questions from you guys, and you brought it today on a Friday when we recorded this, no less, on a holiday weekend when many of you should be preparing for grill outs and everything else. But if you guys have yet to join a live room and want to, to get notified about those, make sure you're following David and Eric on Twitter at DOBrianATL and at EUF34. And if you're not subscribed to 755 is Real on Apple, Spotify, Podbean Podcast, whatever podcast platform you get the podcast on, make sure to do so. We try to remind you folks when we will be hosting the live rooms on the show. And in addition, Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you haven't already. We try to live stream our shows there. Good to see David and Eric on your screens. And also you guys have an opportunity at times to ask them questions on the YouTube channel. In today's show, great stuff as I mentioned before. Some thoughts about Ian Anderson. Is he okay? Should we be concerned about him? What does that portend for the Braves pitching staff? And 14 run drubbing. Should we just move on from that? Any thoughts on that from David and Eric? In addition, trade deadline needs were brought up today. What areas of the Braves roster need some fortifying, need some attention that the team can address during the trade deadline? David and Eric discussed that. And in addition, let's close the book on the Freddie Freeman saga. David and Eric share hopefully their final thoughts on what has been uh, certainly a crazy, wild 48, 72-hour news cycle about that. But... As always, you guys are great. Thank you so much for your constant support of 755 is Real. We wouldn't be where we are today without you all. And without further ado, here's David and Eric in today's 755 is Real live room. All right, let's get to it. Evan T. Hey, guys. How are you all today? Pretty good. So here's my question. With how shaky Ian Anderson has seemed all season and kind of the questions around charlie morton is he out of gas is this just a fluke you gotta think that uh with the possibility of soroka coming back you don't know what you're gonna get but all that being said there's no way you can take spencer strider out of this rotation at this point isn't that right i mean do we right. all agree on that I'm yeah we can agree on that we I've can agree on that people- unless something unless something drastic changes and uh Spencer shows signs of fatigue or whatever, but I'm not anticipating that happening. He's in great shape and he uh, takes care of himself and he hasn't thrown a lot of innings. He, even though he's been out there a lot, he hasn't really thrown a lot of innings because, you know, he's being used as a reliever early on. And uh, um, so I think right now he's, he's within the range that he could stay in the rotation, but we'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, there's so many ifs you got to see how Soroka does. And uh, you know, Ian's going to get a chance to turn it around. He's getting chances so far and they're not ready to yank him out of the rotation. Yeah, he just has seemed to me to be the behind Freed and Wright is so far your most consistent starter, aside from that one game where he had dead arm. Oh, yeah, Strider. Yeah, yeah, he's been good. 
There's no doubt Ian's been your, your worst of the five. There's no doubt about that. Do you think they go for uh, another starter at the uh, the deadline? Yeah, if Ian doesn't turn things around um, and, you know, they're going to have a chance to look at Soroka a little bit probably before that and get a better idea of where he stands before they can gauge the urgency of that. But, I mean, if if, if they can look at Soroka and get a good idea and they don't think he's going to be ready to, to really contribute, I think it becomes more urgency, more of an urgency for sure. Um, and you never know. I mean, Mueller could also be involved in a trade. You know, if uh, he's one of their really attractive trade pieces with the way he's pitching right now and his upside and is still his age. Um, or they could look at him as a guy they want down the stretch. But they've seen enough of Mueller to, to you know, it's not like uh, they don't have an idea of what he's going to do up here. True, true. All right. Thanks, Evan. Yeah, appreciate y'all. Yep. But to answer your question, yeah, I think that uh, they could do, they could they could go out and uh, and get a starter and or a reliever, at least one, before the trade deadline. I think those are the priorities. I agree. Keith J. Hey, y'all. Thanks for taking the uh, request. Um, Dave and Eric, where does Rosario fit into all this? Obviously, we know that Marcel's been you know, a liability out in the outfield when he's been there. Um, does Eddie just go back to a bench role, or do we see this becoming a platoon situation? I'd love to hear your take on that. Well, normally it wouldn't be a, a, a it would not make much sense to platoon him with Duvall because Duvall has been a reverse splits guy for a lot of his career, but this year he's he's kind of been normal splits, so that uh, that could work. Uh, a platoon with Duvall could work. Um, you ideally. You want to get Azuna into DH role as soon as possible and permanently, and never play him in the outfield again. So that's <laughs> that's the plus of getting Rosario back. I mean, right now it's a pretty easy move. You can fit Rosario on the team. You got Ford sitting there. You just bump him off and put Rosario on. It's not a big deal, you know. You don't have to have another infield around Ford because it's just so different with the DH. They just don't need that extra guy because you're not pinch hitting much. You know, you don't. If you have an injury, you can always make a move and get through the rest of the game and make a move for the next day. So um, Rosario can just slip right in there. Then it's just a matter of how you want to divvy up the playing time. And I think a lot of that's just going to depend on uh, hot hand and, you know, injuries and that kind of thing. But uh, you you could reasonably expect to see a platoon, some type of platoon in, uh, in left field. Rosario, yeah. by the way. He not only had I didn't see I didn't look up and see what he did last night. I should have done that, but I had a five thirty flight this morning and we did a mock draft while I Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. But uh but Snet also said that not only did Rosario have a couple of doubles two nights ago, but he also made two really nice plays in the outfield. Made a backhand play on the line and made a strong throw. And Snit was really uh the reports were really good about him in the outfield too, so that's good. Obviously, the odds were affecting him early on when he was when he botched that play out in San Diego and completely missed a ball. Yeah, it's 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 a big deal to have two functioning eyes in baseball. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gabriel T. Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me on. So this question might predate Eric a little bit, but Dave, you've been covering baseball enough, I think, to know has fan voting changed the way that players view the All Star Game at all? Has it? Well, they've been doing it for a long time, fan voting. Yeah, I mean, it's, I know it's been a while, but I was just curious. Is, did you see – because I know it wasn't too long after it started this when you kind of began to see players kind of step out of it. And I just kind of wondered if – you know, I know guys like Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, that era, they thought it was so important. And yeah, it's totally with, different, unfortunately. Is, did fan, do you think fan voting led to that a little bit? Because when you get when you start now, it's not because your peers voted for you. It's ultimately just it can become a popularity contest. Well, Eric can answer that, but I would think one thing that's changed drastically is money. <laughs> yeah, guys make so much that's money now that there's nothing to be gained by playing in the All Star game. You know, and some guys unfortunately don't care that much about the. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine this, but Eric can can attest to this. Some guys, you can call it jaded, or you can just call it they want the four days off, and you know the the workload is. They just want the time off to be with their family or whatever. But some just don't see it as an, as that big of an honor. But and the other thing is, I I don't know that this, I, I don't know that you could that it, it, if this is feasible. But I think if a guy's elected to the All Star game or picked or whatever, 
and decides not to go, if he's not hurt, I don't think that he should be that that should go down as having an all-star that he made the all-star team. Yeah, I agree with that. That would certainly get some guys to go. If they know they're going to be, it's going to go down in baseball reference and and everywhere that they were an all-star, whether they went to the game or not. I think that that removes some of the motivation for going. And if you say, Oh yeah, you call yourself a 10 time all-star and you go to three of them. Right. You know, I mean, that, that would change a lot. Yeah. That's that's actually a great idea, Dave. Well, thank you. The only thing I could see is guys could, I mean, it's pretty easy to say my hamstrings bothering me a little bit or this or that and, you know, still get the, you're right though. I mean, it it seemed like late in my career, especially guys that have multiple, you know, guys go to it once or twice and it's the coolest thing ever for them. Yeah. But a guy that's, that's on his eighth or ninth all-star game, that all-star breaks huge, man. When you get those three, four days off, you come back from that thing and you feel healed up. You know, and, and mentally healed up, and it's it's another trip. You know, you wind up having to fly to Colorado from New York or something like that, and then you're meeting a team in Florida, and so it's it, it's not always great travel for the guys. But I mean, well, for me, if I would have got a chance to put that jersey on, I was taking God. it every time. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, and and we were around Chipper, and Chipper certainly yep. didn't view it that way. He didn't go, I guess, enough times where he got jaded because I know at the end of his career when he made it, he was thrilled to go and he spoke to the team. yeah, yep. And I've always just kind of wondered if it was a thing where, like, if you're a player from Cleveland who's at the top of your position in every statistical category, and then somebody from the Yankees that's batting 220 gets voted in before you. Or Tatis. Kind of like, oh, this is a joke. I'm not doing that. Yeah, Tatis hasn't even played, and he's he's one of the leading vote getters. I well, can just see where that would jade players a little They've bit. done a pretty good job, I think, especially in recent years, of uh, getting the people on there as reserves who are obviously yeah. uh, worthy of Deserving. making the team. And they've also done a great, a much better job of getting relief non-closers on because they used to only take starters and closers. They didn't take any middle relievers set up guys. Yep. Now they do. And they've also started taking a few utility guys, which they never did. I remember when uh, Omar Infante made it, it was like a big deal that he made it as a utility guy. But now they, well, him and Venters made it guys. the same year, didn't they? And they were kind of like yeah. the first two yeah. to do that. So, I don't know. I think I think that they they should uh, there should be. Uh, I don't know if you could add some incentive for going, you know. But to me, it's incentive enough to be in that game. It's, it's such an honor. I mean, especially if you're voted by the fans. But it's a to me, the All Star Game's still a big deal. But uh, I think you've got to go a whole lot of times before you can be so jaded that you're like, you know what? I want the four days off. I mean, you got to be somebody like a Pedro Martinez, you know, who goes ten times and says. All right, it's not that big a deal for me to go. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the trap that guys fall into is once one guy starts doing it. I remember yep. Cece did it one year. He went to the Bahamas. Yeah, he did, and it, it just seems kind of like after that, everybody's like, "Yeah, I don't feel like going either." You know, they got three All Star jerseys they can hang up in their house, and like yeah. Dave said, you still get that award. It's still showing up on your baseball reference page. So when you get to 15 years in and you got 12 All Star games. You know, I, I actually really like what Dave said is that it shouldn't count as an all-star unless you go or if you can prove, you know, you have a, a real injury. Yeah. And if you and if you played right up through the all-star break, then you didn't get an injury unless you unless you want to go so <laughs> yeah. to fake it in your last at bat of the last game. You know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't put it past guys. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, unless you unless you're like the MVP of the all-star game or you strike out the side or whatever, nobody remembers what you actually do in the game later anyway. So I think that's why guys if as long as it shows up on baseball references they made the all-star team i think guys look at it as you know what i can i can be an all-star and not have to even go so I yeah think it really change that that's a good call thanks gabriel thank you all eric let's hear from today's sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Kelly F. What's up, Kelly? Hey there. Can hear? Hey, how are y'all doing? We're good. Okay, so a question about everything we heard about Freddie this week. How is that going to affect Dansby's negotiations ongoing throughout the season, end of the season? I don't think it does for me. You know, I mean, he's a separate player. Um, whatever's, you know, this drama with this thing's been pretty exhausting even to read. I can't imagine actually being involved in it. But Dansby's already said he's sticking with that guy. And, you know, the Braves, there there was one situation where an agent had a printed offer from the Braves and, and used it um, to show to another team and, and up their offer while telling them they had a deal. Um, and I think the Braves said they weren't going to deal with that agent anymore. But, you know, as ugly as things get, when teams want a player and a player wants to be somewhere, yeah. uh, both sides can just stuff it down and work it out. So I, I would look at Dansby's situation completely, you know, separated from Freddie's and whatever's going on between Freddie and his agent. It, Dansby's yeah. not going to feel like he owes Freddie anything to, to, yeah. to fire this guy or anything like that. If it, You know, if you have a good relationship with your agent, you're sticking with him regardless of other guys' relationships or experiences. And how about this? Here's another take on that. I think it could actually help in that both sides are going to go out of their way to make sure <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That this time they both make an effort to get something done so that they can't see. So that especially if you're the agent, you don't want to be the reason why people point to two of the uh, most popular Braves leaving in back to back years because you didn't do a, a good job for your client. So I think if anything, the agent's going to bend over backwards to make sure the client knows exactly what the team's offering, and this is as high as they'll go, and they'll exhaust every every means to try to get signed. And from the Braves' perspective, Dansby's having an incredible year. They would have been much better off signing him a year ago, but now that he's exactly this year, and now that he looks like a franchise player they can build around, and obviously he's one of the most popular players, do they really want to see two of their most popular players leave back-to-back years because they weren't willing to pay him? So I think this could right. actually be Freddie's situation. It's a tough sell could actually help that could, could increase the odds that they, they re-sign Dansby. That's I a agree. That's a really interesting take. And then one of my other thing, Eric and, and Dave, after a night like last night, I mean, obviously that game was over for a lot of those guys in the second inning. How does that affect the way they come out tonight? Does it at all? No, you, I mean, there's so many ups and downs in a season. Um, if you're in the big leagues in the first place, you're, you're really well trained to flush the day before and start every day yeah. new. Um, it's almost honestly, if you're going to lose a game, yeah, it's almost better to lose like that and right. and check out and it just it's so easy to flush a loss like that. The ones that are tough are the games you feel like you should have won, and yeah, you know, right. the, it, I hate to say it because I was a bullpen guy, but we knew this when we came in and blew a game late. That was the most deflating for a team is to lose games you should have won. Yesterday they just got their ass kicked, so you just yep. flush it down and come out ready to play today. It's it's only one game. You got 162 yep. of them. And they've got such a great coaching staff to get that done, too, because Snit, that's his mantra. It's like you can't worry about tomorrow. You can't worry about what happened yesterday. All you can worry about is today's game. And all of his coaches played at the big league level. And they yeah, they know it. The, yeah. You know, so I think. They well, thanks, guys. Yep. Love thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much. Talk to you next time. Anytime. Alex B. What's How's up, it going, guys? Good. Hey, I just had a question for you. Where do you think, uh, what area should the Braves address at the trade deadline? Well, we mentioned it earlier. Uh, I think starting pitcher is, is a potential, depending on what Ian does from that between now and then, and what Soroka looks like when he starts facing hitters down there and gets in a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, rehab games, which he hasn't done yet. I think they'll have a lot better idea of uh, the urgency or lack thereof to get another starter. And like every, every, literally every contending team will be looking for bullpen help. It happens every year. So yep. 
you know. So unfortunately, the price is always high because every team's looking for it. So that the Braves are no different, although they have much more bullpen depth than almost anybody, and it's going to improve a lot when they get Matzik here, uh, probably within the next two weeks. Sounds great. Thank you, guys. Yep. David G, what's up? Hey, uh, Eric, my, my question is for you. I've, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts and you talk about how important the chemistry is on the team, but especially, especially in the bullpen. I was wondering if you could quantify that at all, if you could just kind of ballpark it. How, how much does chemistry matter in, in wins? Is, uh, is good chemistry in a bullpen worth five extra wins, 10 extra wins? Does that, does that make sense? The question? Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the hard thing. And it, that's kind of what I think is one of the shortcomings of analytics is there's yeah. no way to quantify it, but the human it's, element. It, it's, there's no way, you know, I mean, I just know that personally, the, the years that I was around the right guys and I, I struggle in life in general now, not being around strong, tough individuals with good, positive attitudes, you know, just going to the grocery store and getting pissed off over something small. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you need these good people in your life that that bring this positive attitude every day because at times you're weak and, you, you know, something doesn't go your way and somebody tells you just stuff it down. Let's go. You know, it's not a big deal. Things like that. Um, they just help you get through it. But for me, all the teams that I was on where I was with a group group of guys in general that was strong and positive and and knew how to knew how to pick each other up and support each other um i had great seasons and when i was on teams that i felt like i was on my own you know i i really struggled um i learned a ton from teammates throughout uh my career just you know life lessons um but that's that's my problem with some of the analytics stuff is i feel like that stuff is so important and there's no way to quantify it but if you look at good teams uh, you know, AA has been huge on it, you know, bringing good guys in guys that'll fit in the clubhouse and it's worked really well for the Braves. I mean, who saw them win in the world series last year, but they had a strong group. So yep. there's no way to quantify it. I wish there was. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a, a number to put on it. Cause I just don't think there's a way to do it because everybody performs different in different environments. And all you yeah. can do is really try to create the best one possible for, for all your guys to thrive in. I thought, I thought, uh, I thought Wash had a great quote in the story I had today about Dansby. Wash said, Dansby will never, ever let his team down, his teammates down. He plays for his team. When she said, when you're in a winning culture, every single one of the guys plays for their teammates. When you're in a losing culture, you start to get guys who are playing for themselves and for their staff. Yep. I thought that was great. I mean, Wash is a wise old dude, man. Actually, a good example would be Chris Johnson. Uh, he was with the Astros. Yeah. And they were doing their rebuild and he came over to Atlanta. And he told us how miserable it was because everybody yeah. was just punching the clock. You know, you, you show up to the park, you're probably going to get your ass kicked. You got half the teams just trying to establish themselves in the majors and half the teams, a bunch of vets that they've already put up numbers and had good seasons, gotten paid and they want to win and they know they're going to lose. So it's just this terrible environment. And he came over to Atlanta his first year. And I think it was his first year. He hit 300 some, you know, won a batting title or came close. Um, finally playing for something, finally being around a fun group of guys. Michael yeah. Bourne said the same thing when he came over from Houston. Um, and now Houston's got their winning culture, and you see what yeah. guys do when they go there. So, I mean, it's something that you can kind of pay attention to and make your own assumptions. But usually when teams are playing above uh, their yeah. projected skill level, it's a pretty safe bet that they have a damn good environment. And, yeah, look at like, and look at like the Rays every year. They're contending team with that low payroll because they got yep. a winning culture, man. And then yep. other teams like the Mets before this year had a losing culture. Now that's yeah. changed. And I think they've really changed that culture by bringing in the right guys and obviously having an owner that's willing to spend money. But more more importantly, it's bringing in the right guys. Yeah. And uh, they're showing that. So it's too bad they can't have a there's, – there's no way to quantify uh, chemistry. You could have sea war. Chemistry war. <laughs> yeah. There'd the be Braves some, lead in sea war with 7.8. <laughs> Brian McCann will be leading the league in that every year because he makes it fun. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's just it's just not something you can quantify. But, you Charlie know, you Morton just got to take everybody's word guy. for it. Charlie Morton would be a huge sea war guy. Yep. Yep. I was neutral on the sea war. I needed my teammates. <laughs> but thanks, David. Yes, sir. Thank you all. All right. Some, oh, 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 by the way, Eric. Uh, Michael Bourne, man, he's doing uh, he's doing radio for the Phillies and doing some stuff for the Astros. But he was there for the whole series. I ran into him, talked to him a couple times in Philly. Is it too loud out here? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, guys. My bad. And I don't know if this will make it any better going over here to this side. Um, we'll just get your like, question off and then answer it and boot you. That sounds great. Uh, right. Hang up and listen. Making any moves at all at the trade deadline to go get another starter? Are they Soroka? And, uh, you know, is, is Anderson, is he – kind of the guy that gets shifted around when Soroka comes in or, or what do you guys think? I'll, uh, I'll end this thing now. Thank you. <laughs> well, we already answered it twice, man. But uh, um, what I think of that, Dave is it, it's all going to come down to how, like you said, Ian throws the next, next month. I mean, he's, he's got a track record. So, you know, guys go through these spurts, but yeah. if he can clean it up and put together a strong month, there's no reason not to believe in him and not to believe he can turn it yeah. around. Um, you know, the one thing he's, he's not, it's not like his velocity's down five miles an hour, you know, it's been I mean, more control, right? He's not throwing, he's not throwing good strikes, man. He's not hitting the locations that he normally does. Um, but like you said, man, you've got to look at, uh, you got to look at his track record. This guy's not just been good in the postseason. He's been like historically good in the postseason. Yeah. They would not have done what they did the last two postseasons without him. So yeah. it's kind of hard to say, sorry, you're going down. I mean, you could send him to AAA if you knew, if you ma- if you made it clear, you're just going down for a, you know three weeks to, to work on this or that. And he understood that. But, I mean, they're not to that point yet. But even if they did, it would be a temporary thing because they're damn sure going to have him on this team down the stretch. I mean, unless it's an injury or, or his velo's way down or something, you know. Yeah, and you got to look at it as – the potential, you know, what, what Ian, when he's right, can bring to you is probably as good as anybody you're going to get on the trade market, yes, you know, at their best. So, so you got to try to get him right. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things that'll pain you when you go through it, if a guy keeps struggling, but if you get him right by the deadline or you get him right by the playoffs, you saw what he can do. I mean, look how bad Max was like in the first month and a half last year when he had a couple of, uh, you know, he had he had a growing thing. I mean, he had just had some nagging stuff, but he just looked didn't look like himself. And then he uh, then and then the second half, he was the best starter in the National League, or, or maybe in the in the whole majors. Yeah, uh, you know, and he has never looked back since then. But you know, guys do go through stretches. I know it's been really frustrating to watch Ian because he's been knocked around. I mean, he looked like doing batting practice last night. But you got to remember how good he is when he's on, and it's not getting him down. I mean, he's not. You know, he's not losing his confidence or anything, but uh, you can't go uh, forever with it like this, obviously. But they just had a 21-win June, so it didn't it's not yeah. like it hurt him. He's gotten huge run support. So if you look at it, is is his one-loss record? I mean, they're winning the games he's pitching. I know it's not yeah. because of him, but they still are. So the, my point is, it's not killing him yet. So yeah, and he's and earned a pretty long leash. Said, and like you said, you're going to get you got to find are you going to get somebody better on the trade market? Not only better than him, but better than Soroka, depending on what Soroka looks like when he starts. You got to wait till he throws a couple of games, I think, to get some idea whether you think Soroka can really help you down the stretch, because that's obviously a possibility. Yeah, they got they got time to figure this out. And, and Ian's earned the right to to work through this. He's he's earned that opportunity for sure. Yeah. Uh, a little lighter, not much, but a little lighter. Lighter, not much, but a little lighter. Hey guys, what's up? What's hey. up? Hey, a couple of media questions. I know you had Moylan on the other day, um, and love listening to him. He does an amazing job as an analyst when him and Brian Jordan were filling in for Jeff. Is there any talk of him doing more of that? Because he he was amazing and. It can be a tough listen and repetitive some nights just with the usual crew on there. And he, he brings a whole different analysis to the game. I thought he did a great job. Uh, he, he mentioned, you know, that he wants to, he wants to get on there more, but it's, it's all going to come down to, you know, Bally and who's running it and making those decisions. But I agree with you. I thought he did a great job. Frenchie's, Frenchie is, I mean, everybody's got their own preferences and their own tastes and all that. And I understand what you're saying, but Frenchie's really popular with a lot of fans. And there's a reason why they plucked him and gave him that job without much experience at all. Cause he's a personable guy. And a lot of people like to listen, not so much for the anal- analysis, as long as the analysis is good, but they also like personality, you know, 
And yeah, and, I mean, nobody's got more personality than Moila. Don't get me wrong. No, Frenchie, but Frenchie has really got a likable personality, which is why TBS picked him up for their playoff coverage when he had no experience, hardly. You know, so um, they're paying him a lot of money, and he's not going to be. Uh, he already takes a lot of vacation, so yeah, on vacation. <laughs> but Moilo, you know where this is going to happen is Moilo is so good at it that it won't surprise me if somebody makes him an offer elsewhere. Yeah, I agree. Moilo's really good. I agree. He's really good. He is, and it, yeah, I, again, you know, for, like you said, Frenchie, he's got a good personality. He's having a good time, and he sees yeah. a lot of stuff that I don't. You know, when I'm watching, and that's kind of what I look for is, yeah. It's just little things, you know, just noticing what a guy's trying to do or, or picking up on something. And he's, you know, you couldn't always see it in his approach at the plate, but he's a pretty smart baseball guy, too. So I enjoy. Oh, both very of them. smart. And and Moilo's not going to have the same perspective that, that Frenchie does, obviously, yeah. as a pitcher, you know, as a relief pitcher. And uh, um, Frenchie, the other thing is he's he's really good with the players in that he's he's still young and they all know him. Yeah, he really works. I mean, he goes down there, unlike some analysts, uh, some analysts that, you know, not here, but some analysts don't, you know, at, at, they get to a certain point in their career. They they don't really go and interact a lot with the players. Frenchie's down there every day talking to the players. So you're getting a lot more perspective on the current team than you're going to get with some older guys who don't really put in the work to go down there and talk to the, the players, some guys with other teams. Yeah, he seems to always have a little scoop, too. Every day he's down there talking to him at the batting cage. Every day. That's cool. And he's got the respect to be hanging around, and he's not a pain in the ass to have. Yeah, longer. he's funny. They all like talking yeah. to him. He's funny as hell, man. That guy's <laughs> yes. It's like an extra teammate. He and Moilo are both hilarious, man. It really yep. helps. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is me mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. Hey. Um, I w- wanted to go back to the Freddy thing if possible. Sorry, Eric. Um, but, uh, Dave, you said that on Friday when he came into town, he had kind of an off-the-record thing with reporters not that i'm wanting you to divulge anything he said but um you probably saw the ken rosenthal article that he wrote where he kind of tried to spread the blame around uh um, yeah everybody yeah, had me looking yeah, before look he published it. yeah <laughs> um and uh so i just wanted to yeah do you have any perspective on that if you put a somebody had a good comment about putting a certain percentage on each person that he mentioned in the article about how much blame they had um just want to see if you touch on that. Uh, and I've written enough about it to show how much I understand the fascination with it, because Freddie was a huge figure here. And like I'd said, for the year leading up to it, I couldn't imagine them letting him go. Well, they did. And the fallout has been every bit as bad as I thought it would be. But there's nothing new. And the stuff that was reported like Doug Gottlieb, there's a reason nobody else reported that except the former college basketball player who doesn't have, <laughs> doesn't have connections in baseball reported that there's a reason nobody else did. And now he's probably going to get sued um, because he, he took it too far. 
Um, while I don't think the agent did a good job at all, I think he did Freddie a real disservice. I do not believe he did not tell Freddie what the last offer was because that would be uh, malpractice for an agent. I mean, there's nothing to be gained by that for the agent from the agent's perspective. You never get another client because the client is going to find out. The agent's not stupid. He knows the team, especially in a case of Freddie, where Freddie's tight with Alex. Well, whether it's right away or a year down the line or whatever, Freddie is going to find out exactly what the Braves offer if it was different than what this agent told him. That's not going to be kept a secret. So that just did not happen, what he what Gottlieb reported. Um, I, I've said this, uh, and I'll stick by it. Nothing changed. It's, you know, talking to Freddie off the record, nothing's changed. It, it's exactly like Eric and I talked about how the agent did not do a good job and Freddie also did not make it clear enough. Is is in fact what Freddie told me supported what I had said all along. Freddie should have taken more. Uh, he should not have assumed that the agent was going to make that the number one priority above all else is making sure Freddie stayed here with the best job, with the best offer possible. Freddie should have at the last at when it when it was coming down to the end. Freddie should have got on the on the on the phone with his agent and said, "Look, I just want to make sure you know." I want to stay in Atlanta. If that means I take 10 million less, don't tell them this, but I want to stay in Atlanta. So you get the best possible deal you can, but do not let them move on. And Freddie should, and Freddie kicks himself for not doing that. So that's the part that was his fault. It's the agent's fault that he gave him the ultimatum. Cause that was Alex is the last guy in the world. You should have gave that ultimatum to because Alex was not going to pay a lot more than they had said they were going to pay. And they got, they were at the end. That was what they were going to pay. Take it or leave it pretty much. And when you give them an ultimatum and both those other offers are way beyond what they had offered. Well, I was going to go, well, you know what? There's only one guy out there who's a suitable replacement and we're damn sure not going to get caught with our pants down and have somebody else scoop in and, and offer the A's three uh, number, you know, top 10 prospects and get this guy. And then we're left holding the bag. And then we, and then you either got to pay Freddie exactly what his agent wants to, him to get paid, or you got to take somebody that's a a, a distant second, uh, uh, you know, backup plan. So it was kind of a perfect shitstorm of how it went down, but it's everybody's fault. And uh, and it didn't help that the lockout prevented the Braves from calling Freddie because Alex has been really anal about this, everything to do with uh, – free agency, international rules and all that, because when he took over, as you remember, the Braves were under all kinds of uh, rule violations and restrictions. So they've gone out of their way to make sure they don't break any of these rules that they could get caught on. So they're the last team that's going to call a free agent during that lockdown lockout period and, and, you know, break that rule, uh, especially when the agent, if he ended up, you know, going somewhere else, the agent could have said, well, yeah, the Braves were calling us during the lockout trying to get Freddie sign. And that would have been like the, the Braves do not need it. The MLB coming down on them anymore for breaking rules like that. So I, what I'm trying to say is everybody's fault. But to me, most of all, is the agent did a terrible job. You know, the way I see it is that agent was trying to make the final push and squeeze yes. as much as possible out of the Braves. And, you know, maybe the tactic was just a little off and AA just said, okay, fine. Yeah. You know, we're, we're done then and moved on. And I, I just don't think that was something yeah. that, that Freddie's team saw happening without a, a chance to come down right. on their price or, or respond in any way. But I think, you know, the ultimatum thing just really backfired. Right. And Freddie would have never let him do that. If he, if, if the, I, I, I firmly believe if Casey Close had told Freddie, all right, I'm going to give him this ultimatum and give him an hour or whatever he gave him to make yeah. a decision. Freddie would have said, no, do not do that. <laughs> do not do yeah. that. Please. Yeah. So um, it's just an ugly thing. and It's regrettable, man, but it's done. You know what? It's, it's over. Done. Everybody keeps going. Can Freddie just uh, void his contract? Hell no. <laughs> void his contract. <laughs> That's a done deal. It's not coming back. And the Dodgers have got a guy on a good contract that was below market, probably, when you look at the deferred money and all that. So they're damn sure not going to give him back. Okay, we feel bad. You guys can have him back. You know, I mean, he's their first baseman. And they know Freddie is a guy that is so proud and so professional that as sad as he might be right now, over the course of that contract, Freddie's going to give him every bit that he would have given the Braves. Oh, they're going to get a bargain. 
Yes. And he's going to play his ass off is what I'm trying to say. I agree 100%. There's no way it affects his play on the field. Yep. Yep. He might be sad about it right now. Maybe he's sad about it the rest of the year. But over the course of that contract, he is going to give them 100% of his effort when he's between the lines. Just look what he did here. Yep. Well, I don't even know how he compartmentalized like that. He goes up there crying and draws a leadoff walk. I mean, a walk. <laughs> that. You know? Yep. So, and he hit two home runs against them when he when they went out to Dodger Stadium when he wasn't doing anything at the time. He had two home runs against the Braves in that series. It's so, not going to affect his play one bit. No, it's not. It's just All regrettable. Right. The whole situation is regrettable, but. I tell you what, the Braves have got a hell of a player in Olsen, and and I really believe that five years down the line, people were going to look at it and go, you know what, they're better off having 33-year-old Olsen than they would having 37-year-old Freddie at that point. Maybe. Uh, Jack B. All right, guys, thanks for having me on. Yep. Uh, I got a question about my favorite player, Dansby Swanson. Um, last Dance. year, you know, we heard that we – Dan's we making some money this year, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's kind of where my question's going. But, uh, you know, we all, we heard that we offered Freddie a contract uh, at at the All-Star break last year. Didn't go our way. But do you think that's a priority for us to offer Dansby a contract? And with a guy like with a guy like Freddie, it seemed like he was so solid and consistent. It, you know, having contract negotiations wouldn't bother him. But with a guy like Dansby who's having a career year, do you worry about messing with a guy's mojo like that uh, when he's got it going like this and get him talking no. about contracts? No, and they waited on Freddie because they wanted to get the the uh, quarterly reports, the earnings reports. They wanted to see how baseball bounced back from the pandemic, what the revenues were going to look like before they committed. That's why they gave Freddie that placeholder contract offer basically at the start of the season, which was below market. But then when they offered him the Goldsmith contract, you know, after the All-Star break, that's when they got serious about it, um, when they saw the revenues, what the revenues were going to be. Well, now they know what the revenues are. They once again are in the top uh, two or three in attendance. They're raking in dough at the battery and at the and the box office. And they're seeing Dansby, I think, do this long enough now, two and a half months, where it no longer looks like he's incredibly streaky hitter who's going to go back to, you know, to what he used to be, you know, be hot for a week, cold for two weeks, hot for two weeks, cold for a week. I think they're seeing and, – and you saw Wash's comments in my story today about what Wash thinks about the guy. He's a winner, man. And this is a guy that I think I think Dansby will take not a hometown discount, but he wants to be here bad. This is his hometown, and all his brands and everything that he has are based in Atlanta and about Atlanta. And that's going to be a hard sell if he goes to play for, you know, fill in the blank. You know, it's all about Atlanta, <laughs> those, comp, those, uh, those brands that he has. So, I mean, I just I just think Dansby wants to be here. He loves it here. He loves Snit. He loves the coaching staff. He loves his teammates. And if they make him a fair offer, I don't think it has to be top of the scale and all that because they're going to be, you know, there's going to be some couple of shortstops in the market that are going to get a lot more than Dansby because of their track records. But I think if you make him a fair offer, he'll stay. It's just that, you know, they got to look at how long they want to go and, do they think Grissom is the, is is going to be a stud shortstop, or can they move Grissom? You can't move him to third, obviously, if you're going to sign Riley long term. So they got a lot to think about. But um, do you do you think this is no something that happened? Offer now. Yeah. Do you think this is something that happens before the end of the season? I know Chipper made that comment about Freddie getting courted by all the fine ladies. Do we yeah. want to try to get that try to get that done before Dansby gets to see what all yeah. the other. If they want to keep him, if they want to keep him, they'll do it now because they will not go through the Freddie situation again by waiting till he hits free agency. That would be dumb. If they want to keep him, they got to make the offer now during the season. They can't wait. I agree. Agreed. Right, thanks, guys. Yep. It's going up literally by the week. I mean, he's if he stays this hot for another month after the All Star break, he's going to go to the All Star game. There's one thing already: the price is going up. And if he keeps doing this in the second half, I mean, he's like in the top five in the top four in the league in war right now i mean he's having an incredible free agent walk year yeah on brand all right oh, I got, we got we got a comment from aaron uh, interesting comment from aaron he was at the rome game last night said grissom was playing third yeah he's played some third um there's no doubt he can play it and he's and he's physically his size is probably is more suited toward third um 
So he can play them both. There's no doubt. But I mean, they kind of got Brace kind of got a third baseman that looks like the yeah. long-term guy because yeah. Riley is uh, close to a gold glove caliber third baseman, to be honest. Yeah, there's quite a few guys they're going to have to start at least floating some deals to, or they're going to get too expensive. Yeah, I mean, Grissom, I, I, I don't want to put Grissom on the trade market, but Grissom is a hell of a trade piece if they do want if they do want to make a move. He's a big-time prospect. Yep, yep. Uh, Reggie W. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. All right, hey, uh, Dave. Um, my question is for Dave. I watched the uh, – well, I saw an article with the uh, Boston Red Sox uh, beat reporter where he did like a trade deadline – Special with Jim Bowden. I was wondering if are you looking to do anything like that closer to the trade deadline, or kind of come out with an article talking about yeah, trade, yeah. You know, potential trade uh, deadline pieces. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do one of those with Jim either next week or the week after. Yep. You must have been reading my emails, man. <laughs> Get a better idea what they're what they're looking at. But yeah, we're gonna do one. All right, Caleb L. Hey guys, appreciate it. Um, just had a quick question. Um, you were just talking about Swanson and Riley and Von Grissom and all that. Um, just your opinion. I, I think I know Eric's as far as prospects versus players. Yep. But you, you know, you you pretty much know what you got with Swanson, although he's turned a huge corner this yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, he's um, quite a bit different than he was in the past. Yeah. Um, do you go with the uh, you know bird in hand and offer him a contract that you know can get him signed and or yes. do you Okay. So you'd you'd rather take him than count on Grissom being another Harris type player? Um it's hard, man. I mean it's hard, but do you do you, does lightning strike twice? I mean, you know, you know what how Eric feels about prospects. Eric would have probably traded Harris away. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but um No, uh, that not that level. Yeah, but. I I don't know that I put Grissom at the Harris level yet. Now he's really talented. And but I mean, so he might be getting there. Um, but like you said, Burton hand, I mean, Dansby's a special player, man. And when he's hitting like this, it's hard because you, you got to be convinced that this is the new him, but he's done it now for two months. And if he's hitting like this, he is everything Grissom could hope to be right. You know, Grissom couldn't really hope realistically hope to be better than what Dansby is right now. I mean, he's fourth in the league in war. Right. Yeah. I think the I think the other aspect to it also is you, know, you just lost Freddie. You've got a lot of young players. You know, Marquez is gone. All these other guys that were leaders, yeah. Yeah. that are veteran leaders that exactly. have been here. And if you lose Swanson and you're counting on another young guy, yep, you can't you know, just keep fills filling that void. Yeah, you can't gotta, pass that torch around too much. Yeah, you can't just keep lopping off pieces of your culture and expect it to kind of just carry on because it is you know, the Braves way and all that. You got to have those guys that are, that are, that are, that are the, the, uh, the uh, thread that goes through eras and years. And you got a thing going now with four straight division titles. Uh, you went to the back the last two NLCS, you won the world series. Dansby was there for the whole thing. He is a winning player. He won a college world series. He's won a major league world series. And he's a hell of a player that everybody likes. So I don't know that you can just, um, Riley's not that kind of a, of a, uh, he's not the same kind of leader. Uh, Travis Darno is, but he's on a two year contract and that, and Contreras is probably going to take over a catcher after that. Um, so I, I just don't, I think you have to keep that in mind. Having a veteran guy there or two that is going to c- continue this thing. You can't just keep replacing them with younger guys and have a team full of young guys and expect to compete. Yeah. We yeah. got that question about, you know, bullpen leadership and stuff like that. You know, it's one thing for a guy to tell you you need to be at the park running and working hard. You know, my first year it was J.J. Putz. J.J. was at the field every single day at 1.30. So what time were we going to be there? 1.30. You know, I'm not going to show up later than J.J. when I got 40 days in the big leagues. And there's something about the way Dansby goes about his work. You know, everybody wants to say work hard. But with those type of things, you lead by example. And when you see a guy like Dansby having the season he's having, putting up those numbers, playing his ass off every day, you can't really explain to yourself why you're not going to put that effort in when you haven't done nearly as much as him. And each time you lose a guy that works like that, 
and sets that example, you know, you're, you're risking your culture kind of falling off and, and guys getting a little comfy and not working as hard. So, you know, it's, it's a big hit losing Freddie because he kind of taught Dansby and you hope Dansby's passed it on too, but you can't keep passing that torch around and just hope things remain the same. Yeah. I think right. Dansby's good for, I think Dansby is a good kind of counter to, uh, to uh, Acuna too. I mean, you know, obviously, Ozzy obviously is, um, but you know, they're so different and Dansby is more of the button down kind of professional guy, but he loves Ozzy. I mean, he loves Acuna. He loves them all, but, um, Olsen is a more of a quiet lead by example guy like Freddie was for most of his career. Freddie spoke a little bit more at the end, but Freddie was a leader by example guy. And that's what Olsen is play every day, every single inning like Freddie did. Um, so I think Olsen is better suited having Dansby there too, than just all of a sudden Dansby being gone. And here, you know, here's who's left among veterans among the kind of veteran. I mean, that's not a role that Acuna wants. And he's not going to, that's not just not Acuna's thing, man. He's a, he's an unbelievably talented player, but he's never going to be, I, I mean, they could change later in his career, but he's not a leader type guy and they're not expecting him to be. They want him to be one of the best players in the major leagues, which is what he is and produce crazy numbers, which is what he does. But he's not going to be that, that uh, unless he changes his personality, that's not going to be his role. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody else really on the team that, you know, there's the, the kind of the part-time leaders, you know, the guys that are going to be here for maybe one one or two more years. But, Dan, you know, Dansby is 28 versus Freddie being 32. That's the other thing. You could give him a long-term contract and, and still not yeah. be hurt. Yeah, I mean, Riley will grow into it more. Riley already is asserting himself more as a leader, but he's more, you know, Dansby's just, uh, he just fits in that role. And when he's playing well... I wouldn't have been saying this if he'd have hit like he did in the past. If he was, a, if he was still wildly inconsistent, I wouldn't be saying you give him a six-year contract with Grissom coming. I'd be like, but he's made me change my mind this year. He's been so good that I've had to change my mind and go, you know, as hard as it is to imagine blocking Grissom. Um, like I said, Dansby right now is what you would hope Grissom yep. could become. You know, yep. twenty-eight, twenty-seven. He, he's on pace to hit twenty-seven home runs for the second straight year. He plays gold glove defense, you know, and now the OPS and everything else is, is risen. So, I mean, it's, he's changed. He's changed the, the uh, outlook, the view of him. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. yep. Cameron Molina. All right. We're going to wrap up the live room, folks. Thank you so much for joining. As always, if this is your first time in the live room and you guys enjoyed it, make sure Thanks, that everybody. you subscribe Thanks, to 755 Israel on Apple, Spotify, where you get the podcast. You guys know. When we do these things, make sure to follow David and Eric on Twitter. Also, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Everybody, enjoy your holiday weekend. And as David said, 755 is real forever. We're out.